Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess in. with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio of Tomorrow, your source for Tom King's comic run on Supergirl titled Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wire and ready to discuss and review Supergirl number, uh, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, specifically number seven, which was written by Tom King, penciled and inked by Bill Kiss-Evely. Colorist is uh, uh, Mateus Lopez. I, I, I always hope that I'm not butchering anyone's names. My apologies if I am. And Clayton Cowles is the letter. But before we get to the discussion of this uh, penultimate uh, issue of Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, the series. Uh, we need to get to the news. The Flash podcast recently interviewed showrunner of The Flash, uh, Eric. <laughs> I, I don't know why I said it like that. Uh, <laughs> Eric Wallace about his meeting with a Supergirl alum mm. and how this character will fit with one of the Flash regulars. Here is a clip from that interview. So I'm going to follow up on something that you and I talked about where you like, if you watched the video, like you kind of like blew my mind because I had to start figuring like, who is he talking about? Uh, you mentioned that you had a conversation, you were going to have a conversation with a Supergirl alum who hasn't been on The Flash, as you said. I'm not going to ask who, because I know you won't say, but... How did said meeting go? And is it something we could look forward to in season nine? Yes. Um, the meeting went wonderfully. Absolutely wonderfully. Uh, again, without revealing any spoilers. Um, during the course of the meeting, I figured out how now to get them into the show. Um, because oh. it's summertime and I'm putting together my document, right, for season nine. And um, the question was, how will this particular Supergirl character fit in with a particular story for one of our Flash regulars. It's very important that they mesh and that the storyline oh. speaks to both characters. Both characters. Um, I'm happy to report that that mystery and that problem has been assaulted. <laughs> so uh, um, I don't know if we can work it out schedule-wise now, but for me, creatively, the biggest hurdle has now been uh, leaped over and this particular uh, person was like, oh, this sounds fantastic. Let's do this. And I said, okay, awesome. I'll, I'll get back to you. And I, I said, I'll call you in four months, right? Um, so fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I don't like to promise things that aren't, you know, definitive because a lot of things can happen. Uh, this performer could be on another TV show or in a movie or on Broadway or wherever. I have no idea. Um, our episode order for season nine is still not locked in. So 
even I, as I'm planning for season nine, I have to, I have to have a little leeway in it because I might get more episodes than I think I'm getting, or I might get less. So Hmm. I have to kind of juggle all of these balls, but uh, I am now very cautiously optimistic that the conversation I referred to um, can can happen because we we definitely had a big step forward on that. So stay tuned. Yeah. So everyone watching this, have fun in the comment section, speculating who it is. And- so Morgan, I feel like we should speculate given this information. <laughs> what do you think, Next, Shannon? Speculate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the two that popped to my mind immediately were Brainy and um and Dreamer because I don't think either of them have been on the flash and Alex has <laughs> you're not getting Melissa Benoist back so he not did say wish. someone uh who could potentially be on Broadway and I was like oh no Melissa <laughs> 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 um I don't know has uh has David Harewood has like Jean been on he was, I think, in the Flash duet episode when a mm. Supergirl and uh, the Flash did their musical episode. He he sort of showed up with Monel uh, to to get Kara. So I think David here would, pro- I, I guess, that would qualify as being on the Flash. Uh, some some folks on a previous episode of Supergirl Radio uh, mentioned maybe Katie McGrath. That maybe Lena has not also appeared on the flash. The only reason I didn't think of Lena is that I know that she is going to go and do that John Wick show. Right. She is (laughs) John Wick. Still still John Wicking. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) she may be committed elsewhere. That's a good point. Um, But I mean, depending on when those shoot, that could always be up in the air. She could be like, listen, John Wick, still John Wicking, just wrapped i'm ready for you guys <laughs> yeah it is uh it's quite interesting i did um uh lock on to the idea that he has uh documents that he use uh, uses uh eric wallace and i don't know if that's google, google docs documents or what? if he's like typing typing things out on a word doc Ugh, word docs, uh, word docs? Come uh, the words Come so uh, i like to imagine that eric wallace has a, a big <laughs> database of google docs that he uses <laughs> that he like searches for different keywords in it you know, I have to say, I haven't watched The Flash. I'm, I'm just confessing on Supergirl Radio. I have not watched The Flash in seasons. Um, I seasons care. and seasons I, for me. I think season five might have been the last time I watched it. Oh, my God. You might have watched it more recently than I. I, I remember getting caught up for um, a crossover, not Crisis. So <laughs> that was a while ago. That should tell you how long ago it was since I watched The Flash. <laughs> when we watched, um, when we watched it to to talk about the uh, Alex being on the show, I oh, was yes. like, "Who are all these people?" <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I haven't watched it in a while. But Eric Wallace sort of makes me want to watch it because he's very enthusiastic. Yes, about what he's doing. So uh, I appreciate his level of excitement about his job and about the show. It kind of makes me want to get back into that. And there seems to be a level of planning going on here that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> I'm not I'm used honest. to that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> like characters meshing and, and no. their stories going together. What What is that like? I don't know. I'm used to it being more of like, more of like uh, just a feeling of like a vibe. It's like, ooh. <laughs> Katie, you're kind of serving me a little bit of a witchy vibe today. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Katie's like, I wore a scarf one day. <laughs> but you you do bring up a, a good point about the new characters on the show. So apparently the Supergirl alum is supposed to have some sort of connection with a regular that's currently on the show, even though we don't know what character that is. So it we we cannot make a, a really good speculation because we don't Especially have all the information. <laughs> I couldn't even list out the characters currently on this show. I know Barry, it's like, Iris, The Flash, <laughs> Iris, Iris's dad, maybe. I he may have loved the show. I'm not sure. He's got a fiance. She was really mad in the last episode. Uh, I watched. She was, it, she was she was she was tough a, to watch yeah. much yeah uh, <laughs> and then and then there's like intern girl or something and then her her right. love interest other guy <laughs> so maybe it's inter- intern i think his name is jester guy. maybe is his name jester? yes i think My it was jester because i was like who is named chester <laughs> <laughs> other guy also works i guess uh, yeah, so I, I I think oh and uh, um, oh Danielle and, Panabaker uh, yes as, uh, Caitlin Snow and Caitlin is, maybe I, it's a Caitlin Snow story yeah I line. think I think Killer I remember Frost, her. Spo- spoiler alert I think Killer Frost was killed off oh no oh, yeah no. I think I heard I think I saw or heard that too so so I don't think we can speculate. <laughs> maybe we're not really sure we think maybe uh so i don't think we can speculate based on a connection with killer frost because that may or may not be happening <laughs> so who who knows who this character is but i think the three best candidates i think in my opinion are brainy lena and uh dreamer mia now who would you like to see besides obviously Kara is who I would like to see the most. She but, never got a closure with Barry. She never got like a but, final I know with the Flash. But taking a taking Kara out of the equation, who would be your second second up to see if it could be anybody? I mean, I think Brainy could be interesting just because they have a lot of like brainy kind of characters and a lot of technological things. And and they are always having like with the flash, they always have to like calculate speeds and velocities and all that (laughs) kind of stuff. He seems like he would be a really useful character, but I have a feeling that with uh, the flash and time travel and things that go on, because, you know, Barry on the flash on the TV show, he has a lot of like, future visions of like i'm going to die i have to prevent all these people from dying he this always <laughs> happens to him like once a season so i could see dreamer being uh a way to do that so that barry doesn't have to do it again or like what if they have conflicting dreams and then they have to oh. like dream duke it out like, oh, like a dream off <laughs> a dream off <laughs> what if it, th- it but it's like a true dream off where they just like <laughs> fall asleep at each other <laughs> Listen, it's not great going to be great television, <laughs> but it will be accurate to their power. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I would like to see, uh, I think Dreamer's a good candidate. I also, I think I would like to see Brainy because it could be, it could be a little bit of redemption for him. Like he could, he could be like, hold on, I've got a plan that will work this time. <laughs> and then, and then maybe the plan would work. And then yeah. they'd be like, wow, you're so smart, Brainy. And you'd be like, I know. I've been trying to be this smart for years. Uh, so I just, I, I feel like I just want to give Brainy, like, just give him his his flowers, you know? Just give him his flowers. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be really nice if he actually got to go on there and be the smartest one on the show who outsmarts everyone. That would be a great use of 
uh, Brainiac 5. But yeah, I guess we're still waiting on that. It sounds like they... What stinks about all of this, I think, for Eric Wallace is that he like he's he keeps having to sort of rework things like based on how many episodes he's given. Maybe he doesn't have enough episodes. Where does this episode take place? So I do have some uh, empathy, I guess, for showrunners like this, because they do have to deal with a lot of outside external forces that prevent them from actually doing their jobs. Yeah. That's a lot of uncertainty to have to kind of like write around. Like it could be this many episodes. It could be that many episodes. Like maybe we'll have time to do this like fun thing in the middle of the season. Oh wait, we won't have a middle of the season. Like, (laughs) like they just don't know yet. So it must be really hard to plan. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that. It seems like that's kind of a bad way to operate. They shouldn't. Well, I don't know. With all the merger stuff going on, maybe they're still trying to figure out what they're allowed to do, because it seems like the network should just tell them, oh, you've got 15 episodes. Go. But (laughs) but maybe they can't because of uh, the merger stuff that's been happening. All right. Well, we don't really have any information to uh, be able to speculate properly on this. And so we're just guessing at this point. But uh, our best top three options, Brainy, Nia and uh, Lena. So we'll now, see what happens. I've got, a, I've got a flash question that shows you how much I've been paying attention. Has this been confirmed as their last season? Oh, that I don't know. Or am I just assuming because it's season like nine or 25 or whatever? Uh, that's a that's a question for Andy. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll check in with him. We'll to, loop him in. See, yeah. We'll loop him in. We'll ask some questions, some hard hitting uh, questions. It is Flash is aging a little bit, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't think they've announced that as of yet. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't think so. But yeah, we'll have to check on that. Um, would would that uh would that clue you into something if it was the last season? No, not that at wouldn't all. help you with the speculation. <laughs> okay. No, I was just wondering. I was just kind of <laughs> You're curious. just curious. I I feel like if this all pans out, he was very like he doesn't really know. Obviously, he's in planning stages and he can't promise that this is even going to happen as he said like the actor could go and do a, a Broadway show or get another TV show and not be available. But if this happens, I I would be excited to to watch to just check in on uh on one of the characters from Supergirl, see how they're doing. If yeah. it's maybe it's Martian Manhunter, we can see if he ever found Megan in that painting. <laughs> <laughs> She's still in there. What if it is Megan? Maybe that's <laughs> Oh man, that would be no, awesome. No one would see it coming, is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we never thought about Megan. It actually could be her. It could be Julie Gonzalo, uh, Andrea. Oh, it that's could right. be Andrea. Oh, he's, man. he's like, we've got a big, juicy storyline for Akrata. <laughs> and everyone's like, who? <laughs> man, I would love it to be Magan. That's like my top choice now. That is my top choice now. I've been uh, out there patrolling for <laughs> months. <laughs> Where is everyone? Been? No one even calls me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be so disappointed because it's probably not going to be Magan. That would be so good. That I think we so hyped good. it up too much now. And now I'm going to be like, that's what I want now. You have ruined me for it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> we, and, and I'm going like, to be so disappointed. <laughs> It's one of those like day in the life episodes and we just find out what she was doing during all of season six. 
<laughs> she like flashes back. She's like, oh yeah. And then we like find out all these heroic things she was doing while everybody else had just she had like, this epic storyline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, I actually kind of saved the world, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would watch that so much. All right. Well, I guess we should get to talking about the comic that we gathered to discuss, which is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number seven. Uh, But before we get into that, I wanted to bring because I I sort of uh, kind of uh, kind of in a loose way promised that I would bring some examples of some things I talked about with issue number six. So we had some discussions about the. the black and white place is kind of what we talked about. So I brought some examples of the uh, the black and white place uh, in terms of the artistic depictions of the Phantom Zone. And I also brought uh, a couple of examples of uh, the time travel as depicted as rainbow colors. Uh, you know, colorful, colorful uh, time travel. So uh, just so you can see uh, and and people in the audio uh, version of the podcast, I'm giving I'm going to give you some uh, comic book issues if you want to go look these up. Uh, if you're just listening to the audio version. But uh, one of the examples I pulled was from Action Comics number 287 which is uh, an example of Supergirl and Streaky in the Phantom Zone. So you can kind of see that they are sort of floating around in s- some black and white stuff. And they uh, the characters themselves are a white uh, amongst a sort of a black, uh, 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 windy, sort of blurry background. So that's kind of what twister. the Phantom yeah, it's sort of like they're stuck in a twister. Uh, so that's kind of what the Phantom Zone looks like in Action Comics number 287. And then as far as the rainbow time travel, I brought some examples from Action Comics number 295 and Action Comics number 302. So you can see in Action Comics number 295, Supergirl is traveling back in time from 1955 going into uh, kind of 1948. Uh, she's going from pink to yellow to orange to green to blue. Uh, so going down the color spectrum through time and then in action comics number 302, uh, Comet the Superhorse joins her in this time travel. So he is also time traveling uh, through the colors of uh, the decades. So from 1963 into 1910. So that's uh, <laughs> what they're doing <laughs> in that issue. So they they would do uh, quite a bit of um, time, time travel, but also Phantom Zone depictions in the Silver Age. So. Those are the things that we talked about in Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number six. And so I just wanted to bring some uh, some better examples of that. So uh, people watching the video and then also listening on the audio version of the podcast can at least hear uh, what that would have looked like. So hope that fills in some gaps about that. All right. So I guess we should get just get into it. Uh, Go and uh, start talking about Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number seven, which is this week's issue that we're going to talk about. The description for this one reads, quote, it's been the moment you've been waiting for the capture of Krim. With the fugitive in custody, oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. With, the, with the future in custody. Oh uh, no, with the fugitive. I kept talking about time travel, and I said, <laughs> "Now we're, with, we have the future in custody." <laughs> with the fugitive in custody, Supergirl must now deal with his allies, the ungodly brigands, to stop them once and for all. She must leave Ruthie, 
behind with the man who killed her beloved father. Can she trust the young girl to let the villain of our story live long enough to stand trial? Or is this the tragic end of his story and ours? Unquote. So that is the description for Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, number seven. So, Morgan, what did you uh, think about this issue? Did you think that Ruthie was going to kill Krim? Kind of. <laughs> I, I I have to say I was left I thought that cliffhanger at the end of this issue was really good because I was like Ruthie girl I don't know I don't know what she's gonna do I really don't uh, she was she was like don't worry common I would never lie to you you're my best horse and he's like okay <laughs> off to save the day and then he disappears and she's like well I lied to a horse. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, like, the, like the line about like, you know, I uh, I feel like it, it's hard to lie to a horse. Hard, but not impossible, basically. It's like the, <laughs> the line that she does. And it's like, whoa, stuff is popping off. I'm well, trying well, to find like the exact line because it was well, so there's funny. A, there's a question in there that's like, have you ever lied to a horse? Yeah. And I was no, like, no, well, have no? you ever lied to a horse before? And it's like, I think what I really love about this run is that it takes itself so seriously and it, but it will say like some of the wackiest stuff that you can imagine. <laughs> and, but like with like a, a like a deep, like, <laughs> like, like I can hear like the, the Western music in the background. It like zooms in on her eyes and it goes like, have you ever lied to a horse before? And you're like, no, why would that ever? come up (laughs) (laughs) oh she said but you get over it soon enough basically (laughs) like you're you're gonna feel guilty the horse trusted you he is a pure being and yet (laughs) and yet you can make it up to him by giving him some sugar cubes and some apples and so (laughs) there are upsides um yeah so i it kind of left me in suspense about like what is ruthie gonna do now that she's you know that was her mission was to to uh, track down krem who killed her father she's a very uh (laughs) like princess briding it like (laughs) um uh, and she's like, you kill my father, prepare to die. Um, <laughs> and so I think I wouldn't be surprised if the next issue has to do with like more with maybe even like what's Ruthie's choice and, and will uh, that time that she spent with Supergirl, will that influence her one way or the other to like what she ultimately decides to do? Because we have to remember, it's not just that like, you know, don't kill. It's bad which it is. I feel like it's kind of important to say that. We need to say that. It is clarification. Yes. (laughs) Don't do it. Kind of a glib way. (laughs) (laughs) It is bad. Yes. Um, 100%. But but also, he's the only one who knows how to cure crypto, Mm. a very important dog. (laughs) And so I like, you know, as much as I want her to get her revenge, uh, crypto we gotta save crypto you, you can't do it at crypto's expense ruthie <laughs> you know how many you know how many super dogs you get in this life probably not that many <laughs> <laughs> and sure a super horse is also great supergirl undoubtedly has some of the best pets but <laughs> she has the pets every little girl wants a horse <laughs> A cat. <laughs> I mean, um, those. I I know that seems like a stereotype, but it's true. Like those are girl, accurate everybody stereotypes. Everybody does want a pony. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> this is coming from me, a horse girl who never rode any horses in any way, uh, but did read like a bunch of uh, like horse themed books. Mm. Uh, man, the storylines in Thoroughbreds, the book series, <laughs> were they're hauntingly uh, <laughs> deep and I, I could still talk about it, but I won't. But, <laughs> but so like, basically he's, he has the solution to, to how to save crypto, but if she kills him, what happens to crypto? I, I don't think it's anything dies. good. I don't yeah. think it's anything good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we know from the first issue that the narration, Ruthie, I think, tells us that Supergirl kills Krim. So I don't know if we should be looking to ah. that for the final issue. I don't know how that's going to go down. But Ruthie could also be an unreliable narrator. So that's true. We don't really know uh, who to trust. Uh, Ruthie is known to, to lie to horses, so we don't know if we can trust her. So, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I think I'm, I, I, uh, I could see why there would be some suspense in knowing not, uh, not knowing what she, uh, is going to do by the end of the issue. Cause it does le leave us on a pretty big cliffhanger there. Um, I did, I, I did feel the, did, I don't know. This is kind of an awkward question, but did you feel the connection between Comet and Ruthie in this in this one? I did. Yeah, I thought there's a couple of panels where she's uh, she's really upset because Krem is being a jerk, and he's like, "Whatever, I killed your dad, I kill him again." And <laughs> <laughs> he was really nasty to her paraphrasing but that was basically the gist and yeah. uh, she's like a hugging comet and comet is kind of like curled around her a little bit like protective uh protectively and you know like i think comet's just such a great horse is the thing is. i think that's it's important to it's important to point out that comet is is the best horse uh and he's like i feel he it seemed like he was sympathizing with her that he felt bad for ruthie so he was staying with ruthie and i think that he he's kind of protecting her. He even at the end doesn't, you know, even though Supergirl's in trouble, he doesn't want actually want to leave because he knows that he's supposed to like keep Ruthie company and protect her and keep also keep her from doing something that Supergirl might regret. Um, well, and he does at one yeah. point. He he swoops in, super speeds in, and prevents her from uh, taking a sword to Krim. So he he does do his job. One of my favorite moments is on location 24 mm. um, where he hears Supergirl and he kind of like rears up and then you see like kind of like his one eye like looking over at Ruthie like, uh-oh. Yeah. I, I forgot about that. Well, that's going to cause a problem. <laughs> and I I also like, I kind of enjoy the um, the the choice to like not have uh, Comet speak like he comments not like talking in this one yeah uh so so he's just kind of like a lot of it is is facial expressions and and the art obviously in this in this run has been so strong but like you really get the feel that comet is conflicted yes uh, and they don't have any dialogue to show that and they don't have they don't have that much voice over really it's just ruthie saying like you can go like i'm gonna be fine you don't have to worry about me but you can see in comet's face he's like i don't know well I supergirl don't know. supergirl communicates with him telepathically 
to tell him to stay with Ruthie. She she's mm-hmm. like, Comet, don't you do it. Don't you don't come you, up here. Don't, don't, you do, don't it. do it. You stay right there with her. And it's so just he's, the way I talk to my cats when he they're about to do something <laughs> really bad. I'm like, Bunsen, look at me. Look, don't you do it. <laughs> yeah. So he's got Supergirl sort of in his uh in his ear or in his mind telling him to stay put, but he knows that Supergirl's in danger. And so he does have this uh, tension of what do I do? <laughs> What's the right choice here? And so he does get that permission from Ruthie. So I actually thought that was a really cute dynamic uh, in the issue. There's a, there's a lot of Ruthie and Comet and uh, she's talking to him and he's, he, he understands everything that she's saying and what, what she's doing and what the stakes are. So I, I do like the way that Comet's been handled in these, in these issue, issues. I did have a question for you, Morgan, I, I want, or or maybe not a question so much as like I wanted to float an idea by okay. you. So uh, one of my friends, Beth, uh, sh- when she was in college, she took like a literature class. And she I remember her telling me that one of her professors told her or told the class, uh, but specifically she was telling me, me uh, this. She, um, she had learned that anytime there's an apple in a story, mm-hmm. that it's like a metaphor of the, you know, the fall of man in Genesis three. Ah. So it's like a, like a, a representation of something from the fall of man. So I was curious what you thought about that. Cause I think there's a case to be made. I guess I could make it uh, because I thought about that because there's an apple Ruthie uh, and Comet share an apple in this story course in genesis 3 there is no apple it the the scripture just says a fruit so it could it could have been a banana so the apple been has mango. been getting a bad rap all these years <laughs> yeah so the apple's actually been doing just fine but <laughs> <laughs> so it may not have been an apple it just was a fruit we don't know which uh, specifically which fruit um but so i when i saw that there was an apple i went back to that to think about well is there is there something to that? Could it be representative of something in there? So I started to think about what could the apple represent in this issue? So uh, a couple of things I thought about. So I thought about sin. I thought about temptation. I thought about knowledge because the fruit came from the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of uh, knowledge, uh, the tree of knowledge. And then uh, I think it also could be representative of maybe free will, uh, because that's also something kind of within the fall, you know, man makes the choice or woman does first. And she, (laughs) Eve gives, gives the fruit to, to Adam. So um, I kind of thought about uh, sin in terms of the fact that like, Ruthie suggests that maybe Krim is ready to confess his sins. Um, that's what she says in the issue. I thought about the temptation that Ruthie has to kill Krim while Supergirl is away because she she could have done it. She could have killed him right there. Um, yeah. She uh, she also talks about the knowledge of how to save crypto that you mentioned, and uh, there's also kind of a free will choice for Ruthie. Uh, to either kill Krim or spare him. So, um, I th- that was one of the things that I. Uh, was sort of uh, thinking about in my mind when I was looking at the apple. Uh, so I don't know what your what your thoughts are on that. Like why 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 an apple? Yeah, that's so interesting. So I hadn't thought anything about the apple, uh, but now I really see the ways that that could be. It really could talk to so many aspects of the story for for Ruthie, especially I think the idea of temptation because really. Her whole story in this issue is being tempted 
by Creme being there and Supergirl not being there right. um, to to do what she has set out to do since the first issue, which is to kill Creme, the, you know, no good scoundrel who killed her father. Right. And and I think that I can definitely see that, you know, there's a lot of things that she's kind of tempted, you know, she's tempted to kind of lie to Crypto or not Crypto to uh, to Comet um and and tell him that you know she's not going to do anything and then at the end of the issue she's like uh, psych uh, <laughs> i lied to a horse <laughs> i lied to a horse have you ever lied to a horse <laughs> uh is a great line um but yeah i think that you know i could definitely see it as being a, a metaphor for like the temptation that she kind of finds herself the honestly a, a literal temptation island that she finds herself oh on. yeah oh that's right working in some reality shows as well <laughs> <laughs> my, liter- my literary tradition of <laughs> trashy reality shows um but yeah i think i think she's she's really gonna have to battle you know, her, her baser instincts maybe against her, her better angels. And, you know, she knows why Supergirl has been keeping Krem around because of crypto. So will she, you know, do what she wants to do or will she hold off because of this relationship that she's, you know, developed with Supergirl? I guess we'll find out in the finale. Yes. Uh, I know you make light of the uh, trashy reality TV show comparison, but also, why the beach? Why an island? Mm-hmm. Those are a choice. Those are choices that are that the writer is making here. So, you know, I think that's a, a fair to bring up because maybe it's a, an isolation, mm. a, a location of isolation, so that she's forced to make a choice. Uh, the Ooh. fact that she is separated out from a uh, Supergirl, she has to deal with these decisions on her own. So I think those are all choices that are made uh, by the writing here. So I, I don't think the, uh, the Temptation Island is <laughs> so far removed from uh, from anything. I think that's actually a good point to bring up. Uh, what else uh, did you want to talk about in this issue, Morgan? Um, let's see. I mean, obviously, I think the Comet stuff was so great. I wasn't sure how much Comet we were going to get after the last issue, because he really came in clutch in the last issue. Oh, yeah. Um, but in a more like a rainbow bright kind of way. And in this <laughs> in this issue, he got to have, you know, he's he's wearing his little cape. Obviously, he looks amazing. Um, but he also gets to have a little bit more of a personality. We get to see a little bit more of Comet. We know he he loves apple or apple adjacent uh, fruit items. Uh, <laughs> we know that he's very loyal to Supergirl because he's, you know, he's kind of acting as Ruthie's babysitter. And we know that, like, I feel like you can sense that Comet is a is kind in addition to being loyal because when Ruthie gets really upset, Comet is is definitely there for her to comfort her. So I thought that this was a great Comet issue in addition to being a strong Supergirl and Ruthie issue. And I and honestly, I've read a little bit of stuff with Comet in it, but it was like the really unhinged stuff back from like the fifties <laughs> and sixties. Yeah. So it was nice to get kind of a more nor- uh, more normal Comet uh, issue, and and still have him have some like nice characterization as such a such a great loyal horse. Yeah, he reminded me of all those uh, those animals who can sense. Uh, I know dogs are really good about this. I don't. I don't know if cats. If you can speak to to cats, I, th- I think. I think when my when I had a cat way back before, uh, I did not have uh, fatal injury uh, injuries uh, allergies. 
to cats. Uh, I think maybe my cat uh, did this as well, but some, some animals can sense when someone is sad and they can yeah. sense that they need comfort. And so I, that's, that's kind of what I got out of Comet is that he realized Ruthie needed a literally a, a shoulder or a, a mane to lean on. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was really cute, especially, I mean, Ruthie was crying. Like she was yeah. really emotionally distraught. So it, I, you know, Comet was a strong uh, shoulder to to lean on for her. So I, I really enjoyed that aspect of the issue. And oh, another thing I really liked in the issue was sort of highlighting the kind of like a meta commentary on how hard it is to write the super, <laughs> the super like, <laughs> oh, yes. family, like uh, Superman and Supergirl, uh, because there's a lot in the issue about like, well, here's this battle and I know everybody knows it and it's famous and there's bad poetry about it, um, <laughs> et cetera, Which I would like to read more of. I know me too. I want the, <laughs> I want the epic poem version of this. Uh, but Ruthie is basically like, and I know you must be asking yourself, like, why am I even bothering to recount this battle that she has <laughs> with all of these brigands on the ship? Because of course she wins because she's Supergirl and where are the dramatic stakes? And I was like, Tom King, who hurt you? <laughs> He's like, listen, it's hard to write Supergirl. You don't understand. You don't understand. How do I add in dramatic stakes? You don't get it. Uh, and I, I thought that was like, I, I like the way that it was done because it was it was subtle. But it was also, it is, I think, a big problem, in, you know, when you're writing Superman or Supergirl. It's just, they're so powerful. It does become, how do you, I mean, maybe not on the TV show, <laughs> where she was, like, routinely just, like, slapped down by, like, like human heroes. And you're like, yeah, how? Um, <laughs> but, but normally, it's like, you know, how do you write a character that can basically overcome anything because she's got, like, all of the powers and I, I like that they they presented that as like yes this is a challenge and you know not just in writing supergirl but like you might ask yourself why do i care about this fight that she's having and it was like you know there's you know she can uh, leap tall buildings in a single bound but there'll always be a taller building out there somewhere um and i thought that that was interesting that like even though she is super powerful she's also fighting against an entire spaceship literally because it's a pirate ship uh, <laughs> full of like villains from various planets with like various pew pew guns and stuff like that and there's like the numbers are against her and she, they've got kryptonite somehow and like yeah there's always going to be a way that you can you know make those battles dramatically satisfying or you can like add some stakes to them and i i thought that that was you know an interesting commentary on like you know i think maybe maybe other writers who shied away from Supergirl because they're like, oh, mm -hmm. there's not, you, there's not an interesting story you can tell with Supergirl. Cause she's yeah. so powerful. It's like, no, there always is. And you just have to be inventive. Look at these brigands. <laughs> they work together <laughs> as a team. Uh, but I also think it's, you know, the point that even though she has all the powers in the world and she's very strong, there's always, you know, there's always, another villain that can come in and you know shake her or something that can hurt her i i always think about the um the episode of buffy where they talk about the slayer mm. and that like how powerful she is and um she's talking to another character who's a vampire who's killed some slayers before and he tells her something like 
you know, you're yes, you're powerful, but all we need to do is get you on one bad day to kill right. you. Right. And so it's it's kind of like that kind of thing where there's always going to, you know, Supergirl can always have one bad day. And that's that could be the difference between her winning and losing. And, you know, she's kind of outnumbered at the end of this issue and she's in trouble. And I mean, I think we all know she's going to get out of it somehow. She's got her she's got her horse companion. So how can she fail now? But uh, <laughs> but I mean, I, I do. I did feel, you know, there was some dramatic stakes there. She's like, She's in chains that are like mm. kryptonite chains and they've got a bullet with a, I mean, a gun with a kryptonite bullet. It's just one bullet. Uh, you feel like they might have saved some of that chain material to give them a couple <laughs> more shots. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I do feel like they, the way that the issue went, we saw how powerful and cool uh, Supergirl is, but also, you know, that, that she has to work for it, that it's not a given every time that she fights somebody that she's always going to win. Yeah, I like your idea that this, it's a commentary on that because I, I I do agree with you that there there is a commentary there in the dialogue and uh, I think Ruthie's narration acknowledges uh, that this is a, a a tough to retell the story uh, even even the narration she, Ruthie's like I know this is going to be frustrating and boring for you but we're <laughs> we're we're going to make this work but uh, she has a line in there that says uh, no one has a monopoly on power. And I thought mm. that was that was a really good line. Um, so there's uh, there's a setup, I think, for me in that line uh, to to question whether or not Supergirl is going to win this fight. Uh, and and then we see that she does get sort of uh, captured or detained and she she does have to fight for it. So I like your thought that she has to work for it. It doesn't come just easy peasy, no problems. She has to go in there and she has to really fight for it. And sometimes Supergirl might need some help and that's okay. Uh, so I thought that uh, was a really um, uh, very inventive way to go about that because it's all coming from Ruthie's perspective and her knowledge of the past and how she's telling the story to make it uh, palatable to the reader and to the person who is following the story. And so I, I like that she she brings in some of the context of, oh, there were poems written about this and some famous person wrote something about it, some strange name I, I, I couldn't uh, pronounce, uh, Jerwersian or something. Uh, th this person uh, wrote a couplet uh, that said, the yellow of her hair, the red of her lip, the wreckage and ruin of every ship. Um, so there were, there were uh, epic poems and a few shoddy ones as well. Um, so I really enjoyed that there was uh, a history to this. I think it was called the Battle of Capes. Uh, so there was like mm -hmm. even a title for this big battle that happened with the brigand. So it felt like a really epic, eventful part of the story. I, I, I agree. I really liked how they, they handled that and how they sort of interwove those two stories. I, I like how this run has been, you know, uh, kind of having a, like two kind of separate stories happening in every issue, but it doesn't feel overstuffed. Like there's, you know, too much going on. It's, and usually the stories kind of, kind of in, influence and impact each other. And I think in this case, you know, we have Supergirl who's who's fighting a battle and, and Ruthie in her own way is also fighting a battle in this issue. Right. Yeah, uh, she's she's fighting an emotional battle. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a, a battle of her, her own choices. Uh, so that's a good way to put that. And I think one of the strong suits for me in this is it's largely a Ruthie story because she's having to deal with whether or not to kill Krim and uh, she's uh, having to face him 
literally face to face here in this issue. But uh, I thought there was actually some really great Supergirl stuff. Supergirl has been fighting the Brigands, and then I think she has to go uh, into reentry back into the planet where Ruthie is. Did, is that how you understood that? I wasn't yeah. really sure where she was reentering. Um, but she goes into this reentry. And while she's in it, they, uh, well, I, I, I say they, but I, I mean like all the creative people associated with this book, the art, the writing from Tom King, but I guess Tom King specifically here, uh, as the writer, uh, uses this opportunity to re recount some things from Kara's childhood and Kara's, uh, flashbacks and her time on Krypton and with her father. So even in a small little, uh, a couple of panels there where she's just re-entering the atmosphere he takes that as a chance to go into Supergirl as a character and dive into um, what uh, makes what makes Kara Kara and what makes Supergirl Supergirl. So I really appreciated that even even with a small amount of uh, storytelling uh, real estate, I guess he was able to actually use that as an opportunity to talk about Supergirl and and really dig into her character. So I I for one appreciated that. And even to the point, um, I also, there was a point um, in there where um, uh, there's a, a mention from Ruthie that she's kind of talking about Supergirl and if she hated the Brigands because they, quote, bring genocide with a smile, unquote. And uh, she, Ruthie tells us that she replied, I'm Supergirl. I don't hate anyone. And I thought that was a really uh, cool insight into Supergirl because she really does. I mean, I don't think Supergirl is a character overall should hate anyone because uh, she has compassion for people, even if they do a, a, a bad thing or make bad choices. She's a character that does um, try to bring people back, even if they've done some bad things. So I think that's pretty character correct for Supergirl to say, I don't hate anyone. So yeah, I like, I like that I like too, that. because it, Ruthie also seemed to kind of be implying that like, Supergirl might that might be kind of more her motto than it is how she always feels in the moment, which I feel like is also very, very human way to look at Supergirl. Like, yes, she knows that like she's Supergirl and she she shouldn't hate ever, anyone, but like sometimes she doesn't like them very much, or sometimes <laughs> she does hate them, but she sort of lives by by this code. And I thought that that was kind of a a, a nice way to to keep that character, but also maybe give her a little bit of, of an edge. And I think that she doesn't hate anyone, but, but certainly she gets mad and she, you know, uh, gets upset just like everybody else. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I think she, she, maybe she doesn't hate people, but she just really dislikes them. Exactly. She's, She's just, just like, I'm she just does not care for them guys. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I, I just like that because there are just little bits here and there that Tom King is able to tell us more information about Supergirl and describe to her, uh, to us uh, about what she's like, even if it's through the narration of someone else or uh, through some action sequences that are going on. I really like that. And uh, Mark has a good uh, comment in the chat uh, where he says, I really like the way Tom King uses Ruthie to voice his own perceptions of Supergirl. And I think Mark is absolutely correct here. And that's, that's what I've liked about this run is yes, there's a lot of Ruthie and there's a lot of Ruthie narration, but it's telling us about Supergirl. It's, it's, it's showing us what Supergirl's like and who Supergirl is. And I, I, I do think that that's maybe Tom King 
talking about why he likes the character so much. And I, I think that's really cool. So um, I see a snap judgment in the co- in the comments, but do we want to hold that off until the end? Let's let's hold it until after we get uh, like through some maybe some art picks and some overall thoughts. We'll we'll start that comment and we'll come back to it, Tiana. So nice. we'll, we'll get we'll get to your snap judgment. Um, I guess did we talk about most of everything in the story? I think so. I mean, I think we get the backstory of Krem and why he killed her father, right? Which is, you know, we think it's because, uh, I mean, he kind of, he sets it up as it like, I was, uh, you know, working for the king and I was seeing if anybody would disrespect him. And then the twist, I think that her father didn't disrespect the king at all. He just made Krem feel small. Yeah, he didn't uh, laugh at Krim's joke. He didn't laugh at Krim's joke. And and not just that he didn't laugh at the joke, but that he reacted by telling him to, like, get off of his property and, like, <laughs> like get out of his face. And, yeah. like, you're being a real weirdo. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he didn't like the way that um, Ruthie's father... Uh, made him feel inferior and and mm. made himself seem like he was superior. And I thought that that was, is really interesting for like a, you know, for a creme villain backstory is it's not that, you know, it's, it, it, it was obviously that he's a bad guy, but also, you know, somebody made him feel small and insignificant and like that all of this, you know, all of this trauma that, that the we've experienced in this, in this whole story of, of Krem, you know, all started from like, somebody didn't laugh at my joke, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which feels like a real, you know, a real villain origin story for some people. Well, it's, it's all like, part of his ego. Like it's yeah. just all about his self perception of what he wanted to portray to people. Mm-hmm. Was he was like, shattered. yeah, he's like, you know, he, he was acting uppity. Basically he was acting like he was the, you know, he was the, Superior person, and and so I killed him. Essentially, he he kind of ex- explains it like almost like he had a rage blackout. Oh yeah, like, like he he he, he, d- he doesn't. Re- yeah, he he doesn't uh, quite know when he killed Ruthie's father. He just it happened, and then he realized he did it. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a it was an interesting backstory for him. It it doesn't do anything. He's still a terrible character. Oh, he like, has absolutely no, <laughs> no regret. He, yeah, he he says that in the issue. He says, uh, uh, "I got no patience for reform or regret." So he's he's definitely a bad dude who wants to stay a bad dude. Yeah, but I thought that the uh, the backstory was definitely interesting and and gave him uh you know gave the whole story a little bit more depth and and character learning about you know what ha- actually happened to Ruthie's father and and what led up to Krem killing him. Yeah, cuz that's such a big deal in this series is it's all about uh, getting vengeance for the death of Ruthie's father. So uh so it's definitely important that we see what actually happened cuz I think before in the previous issues when that's depicted or shown it's more in silhouette if I remember correctly. The mm-hmm. actual murder of her father was in silhouette. So we don't we we didn't actually get to see exactly what was happening in that moment, but here we get some explanation of it. I also like that he kind of he kind of disses her for being a girl in this. Like that, like, oh, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't expect it from you from you, like a toughness from you, because you, you know, you're a you're a girl and you're emotional. After he just described uh, murdering somebody because they didn't laugh at his joke, but she's too <laughs> emotional. 
Yeah, he does do that. He ta- he taunts her. I mean, he's tied up. They may kill him, and he's just taunting her uh, mercilessly. So she's having a lot of take a lot of verbal assaults from him. Uh, so uh, it's actually and it's actually um, impressive that she had such a a restraint as much as she did. I don't know what's going to happen in issue eight, but uh, <laughs> she shows a lot of restraint in issue number seven to um, to not. Uh, murder him after he says all that stuff to her because I could see that uh, being an incitement to, to uh, you know, uh, ending Crim of the Yellow Hills uh, from her point of view. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the only other things I wanted to mention uh, were okay, so uh, I caught that Ruthie said the word prodigious again. Uh, she used the word prodigious in <laughs> issue number five. I thought that was uh, was of interest in, to my ear because I was like, oh, the prodigious is such a good word. And uh, Ruthie seems to like that word. She uses that in uh, two of these issues. So I wanted to mention that. And I also thought the story of Ruthie's pony dog, which I guess was a pet of hers on the farm, I thought was <laughs> was was something... I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading into this too much, but I was curious about the pony dog story because I didn't know if that was uh, writing wise meant to foreshadow something or be representative of something else. I couldn't decide if I thought that maybe Krem was like Ruthie's pony dog because of uh, having a potential torturer in Ruthie, uh, the pony dog sort of felt some mistrust with Ruthie and uh, felt like it was abused. Uh, I also was wondering if Comet was the pony dog uh, because of the trust issues uh, with an animal that, uh, you know, <laughs> Ruthie had issues of uh, trust with the pony dog. So I just thought that was um, really interesting that that was brought up. Like why bring that up in the writing? Uh, but I, but I, I, I was wondering if maybe, uh, that was sort of trying to parallel something else that was happening with either Krem or Comet. Um, I, I would probably lean toward it if I was going to make that argument, I'd probably lean more towards the pony dog being like Comet, uh, because of the, the, the issues of the trust, um, uh, the mistrust that was going on, but I could also see an argument for um, Krem because she says that she did not deny pony uh, the pony dog any of his is- essential needs, and um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what she thought about that, but I, I was sort of trying to, in my mind, figure out why I mentioned the the story of the pony dog. Yeah, I saw the pony dog connecting more to like her relationship with Comet. And um, and 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 sort of trying to win over Comet's trust and try to say com- to Comet like, uh, you know, you can trust me. You don't have to watch me all, all this closely. And then, of course, he definitely does. <laughs> yeah, he uh, needed uh, to trust her, but she lies to him in the end, unfortunately. So. Uh, I think he has uh, been put in the pony dog space. So I I liked that parallel. I thought that was a good bit of writing. Um, I guess, uh, should we move on to the art? Did you have any favorite panels or pages in this one? Um, I thought the art was great. I loved um, location four, which is when we 
first see Ruthie uh, on Comet and she's getting the apple from the tree and uh, you kind of see her reaching up and grabbing it and pulling it off. And then you see Comet sort of flying uh, on this island above the waves. Just, it feels like the vacation that Comet needs and deserves. And <laughs> I just, I just, I just want the best for him basically. <laughs> um, and then I really liked, and I'm trying to find it. Um, the the panel, uh, the, I guess the full page on location nine where um, the sh- the spaceship ship is uh, firing at Supergirl and she's dodging these like energy blasts and she's like uh, hitting something. And it felt very much like, you know, things are happening. Um, it's there was like a lot of energy to those panels. And I think the way that it contrasted with like the other pages of Ruthie's storyline where everything in her storyline is very like tropical and beautiful sun and clouds in the sky and waves and, you know, ocean and sand. And then you get these panels with Supergirl that are very like black and yellow and red. And those are kind of like the, the main color schemes. And there's like a lot of motion and movement and, uh, and then you go back to, you know, the calm ocean oasis <laughs> where, where, you know, arguably something e- equally as traumatizing is happening. I thought that that was, I thought that that was really, really great um, visual storytelling that they did in this one. Um, so I really enjoyed that as well. I think I'm trying to find the the panel, the Supergirl panel. Oh, I think it was when she's like, you think that she is begging and then it does a close up and you realize that she's talking to Comet and she's like, don't you dare Comet, don't you don't dare. You do it. Don't you do it. Uh, uh, I think that's on page uh, 22 and they're like, what's a yeah. Comet? Um, <laughs> and Comet's like, you're about to find out. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed that as well. And then just, you know, overall we talked about this, but all like the fact that Comet had such a clear personality in this issue, even though he doesn't have any dialogue and is in fact a horse. Uh, <laughs> I thought it's just like a, just a, a tip of the cap to this, this art team because they're just doing like so well in the art on this story is so beautiful across the board, but yeah. even like the characters, facial expressions and like, I can just really tell what everybody is feeling. Yeah, I agree. I, I think all, all the comment stuff is, uh, pretty remarkable given that he is a uh, a mute horse, which I guess all horses for us are mute, but uh, sometimes Comet has been known to speak in the past. So uh, I think that is a pretty remarkable for what they've been doing. Um, I think for me, I love the full page of the Brigand ship on location six. I thought that was really cool. It gave some perspective of how, you know, what Supergirl was dealing with. And I thought all of the action sequences in this uh, issue actually made a lot of sense. I understood what was going on. Even the complicated aspect of <laughs> Supergirl being sort of, was she, was she chained or tied down? Um, <laughs> all of that made sense in terms of the action. Like I could follow it and I understood what was going on. And um, I really like on uh, location 21, when you actually get to see the culmination of that, where Supergirl's down on her knees in front of all these brigands and all of the, the chains or the wires or whatever those things were, they they're kind of all over her. So she is, she's trapped 
essentially. And so I, I like getting to see the culmination of all that action uh, and seeing what it looks like for her now. And she's really in trouble. So I, I thought all of the action made sense. And um, I liked that a lot. Um, I think also location 13, I mentioned that I really liked the writing of Supergirl's re-entry into the planet. But I, I, I really actually liked the visual of that too, just to, mm-hmm. to see what that would have been like for a uh, Supergirl to do that. I've seen, you know, uh, uh, NASA, you know, do may possibly, you know, what, what spaceships would look like doing that. You know, I've seen, uh, uh, what do they call those? Like uh, sort of animations of what that might look like, but to see Supergirl, uh, do that. It, it's kind of interesting to see that as a human being, how well the human being uh, is a relative term. She's a Kryptonian, uh, but what it would look like for somebody who's not in a ship to do that. I thought the uh, depiction of that was really creative and something that I, I kind of stared at. And I was like, Oh, I guess that's uh, maybe what that would look like if somebody just did that without a ship. Uh, so I thought that was really cool to see. Um, I also really liked on location 17, uh, there's one panel on that page where Supergirl, uh, kind of busts her arms wide open and she throws all these brigands off of her and they're sort of floating in the air in the panel. I thought that was a really powerful, cool panel to show Supergirl's strength there and uh, show that she, she does, uh, have a little fight in her in this, uh, battle of the capes, uh, uh, epic fight. I really enjoyed that. And of course, location 19 where uh, Ruthie is crying into, into, into Comet's um, head, I thought was just so uh, wonderfully done and just so beautiful and, and emotional and impactful. So I thought the art in this one was, I mean, all of these issues have been spectacular with the art, but I think uh, this one in particular, I thought was really good in the way that it utilized the contrast that you mentioned between the the two different uh, scenes or sequences and the way they used emotion. All right. Well, I guess we should get to overall thoughts. Uh, Morgan, what, what, what would you uh, say about this issue in terms of uh, just uh, recommending it to someone? Yeah, I like this issue as well. I, I mean, I think yeah, unless it really flops the ending next issue, I think I can say that this has been like one of my favorite Supergirl runs that I've read recently um (laughs) this is certainly in a long time um i just think that they're doing so good at like having this be a supergirl story uh and also bringing in this new character and having her story kind of complement supergirls and uh enhance supergirls that we're getting to see supergirl through the eyes of somebody else and get their perspective on supergirl and and but ruthie has her own story and her own character arc but it's certainly still a Supergirl story, and we get we get characters like Crypto and and Comet that came from you know maybe a little bit of more of a wacky Supergirl <laughs> era, and I feel like they're you know they're just he's a super he is what he is he's a super horse he's literally a horse wearing a cape, but he <laughs> but I think that you know the story is grounded in some in some emotion and so even though you know she is literally talking to a horse in a cape uh i still feel all the emotions and i i'm still connecting with the story and it doesn't take me out of it to be like oh uh oh comet's conflicted comet the super horse is conflicted, <laughs> right uh so i love that that the that this run got to do that for comet and and make him <laughs> 
more of a serious character uh, and give even in this issue he has like a little bit of an emotional arc of being conflicted about whether or not to leave Ruthie alone or save Supergirl um, so I yeah I thought that this was a, a great issue I thought that the art was phenomenal as it always is and it and it left me on a great cliffhanger because I was legitimately like Ooh, I know we're gonna cover issue eight, but should I just go ahead and read issue? Eight? <laughs> I've been I've been like working really hard to like read the issues like very close to when we record so that they're fresh. And I was like, no, don't do it, Morgan. But it was like a you know a good old fashioned cliffhanger, which I really enjoyed. Full confession, I did read all of the series, but it was way back when it first came out. And so I've been rereading these because I have such a bad memory. It's like I'm reading them for the first time. <laughs> I, I can't remember what happened. So even though I've read them before, I don't I, I need to reread it again because I, I don't remember what it happened exactly. And it's actually been helpful to um to read them a second time because there were things that I caught like specifically in this issue that I didn't think about before. And, and so I, for me, it's helpful to reread them multiple times because I can sit on it a little more or I can think about it, chew on it a little more. And so that's, that's been really beneficial for me, even though a long time ago when these issues came out, I read it, but now I feel like I'm rereading it through a, like a fresh perspective uh, where I can take more of my time with it. So yeah, this one is a, a cliffhanger for me, even though I, <laughs> I, I kind of remember how it ended, but I could not explain it to you if I had to <laughs> at this very moment. So uh, so even when uh, we talk about it next week with issue number eight, it'll it'll almost be like uh, the, the first time that I read it. So uh, so that's what I like about this is that it's coming. I'm coming at it from almost a fresh perspective. <laughs> um, but I, I really like this issue. And I, I think it's a it's a, I think Tom King is not only doing a great job with Supergirl, uh, Comet the Super Horse is um the it has been kind of a standout in this one, and it's been such. I think uh, selfishly, we wanted Comet on the Supergirl TV series for such a long time, and we never got any like any re any remotely <laughs> small nod, not even close, <laughs> not even close. And this feels like it was almost maybe written for Supergirl Radio that we've we've been given such a great uh, appearance from Comet the Super Horse. So I appreciate that from Tom King. All right. Well, I guess that is going to uh, to do it for uh, for our discussion. But I guess maybe this is the time uh, we didn't build in snap judgments uh, to this episode. But now that we have snap <laughs> judgments, I think we've got a couple snap judgments. This may be the time where maybe we uh, make some snap judgments. Yeah. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. All right, Morgan, do you want to guide us through snap judgments? I sure do. Okay. So our, <laughs> our first snap judgment comes from Tiana, who asks, would you rather have Comet or Crypto as a pet? Now, this is truly this is one of the hardest snap judgments so we've ever had. Yeah. We've ever had. Um, Comet or Crypto? I love Comet and everything about Comet, but I don't think I have, I just don't have the space for Comet. Uh, Comet might require a stable, uh, might require uh, lo lots of big carrots. Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of maintenance with Comet that I don't think I can provide. 
Crypto, though, I think I could make room for a dog. So I think I think I'm gonna have to go with crypto here, just just based on my my uh, personal situation and, and what I can facilitate. So I think I would say crypto on this one. <laughs> that is fair. This is a hard one for me because as I've uh, well established. I was a horse girl, um, hardcore. <laughs> I had every My Little Pony. Oh, nice. Uh, I knew all about the horses. And I was like, there's so many hands tall. This uh, is so funny because I remember one Halloween growing up, I dressed, I had a My Little Pony costume. Nice. So it's it's funny to hear that, that we share those My Little Pony and, and Rainbow Bright connections. Right? Yeah. So it was the same, the same <laughs> genre of time, the same era, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, I, I read a bunch of uh, these this book series called Thoroughbreds. Uh, I never really rode horses, knew much about horses, but I could tell you like all kinds of things about like professional jockeys. Oh. Uh, so I was very well informed as like a nine-year-old. I was like, uh-oh, looks like, looks like it's trouble on the, you know, on the stretch. And like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so it, it's, I feel like I got to go Comet. I got to go Comet and I got to live my dreams. I don't have a place to put Comet. Uh, I don't even have a backyard. So uh, it's going to be tough for Comet. I'm going to be would, honest. Would We're Comet find a barn situation, I guess, for him? Would Comet get along with uh, the lab cats? Would that be a problem? Do you think? Yeah, he the lab cats. I don't think would respect Comet's authority. Um, <laughs> I don't think. I think think they'd be like, "Hey, what up?" Uh, <laughs> and then I think one of them would a hundred percent try to sleep on top of oh, him. Yeah. Yeah. Because be that's, that's what they like to do. Um, so I, there's a height to Comet. Cats. Yeah. Like and, yeah. And cats love nothing more than being up high. Yeah. So I think that that would, you know, maybe would Comet would it. accept that. Maybe yeah. Comet would be like, this is fine. Cool. Thanks for <laughs> sleeping on, on my saddle. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know why Comet's Scottish. Uh, <laughs> so I choose Comet. It's fair. Um, okay. So our next snap is from Mark who says, would you rather relax on a beach with a horse or attain vengeance on your mortal enemy? I'm not really a vengeance person. I try to be forgiving. Um, would I be, would I be attaining the vengeance, I guess, or would just vengeance be, <laughs> happened upon the person that, that might like, make the difference i don't i know. feel like you would be attaining the the vengeance okay so i would have to be because uh, if it just ha happens uh, to, the, the to the moral end yeah, then maybe i'd be okay with it uh but i don't think i would want to attain the vengeance so i think relaxing at a beach with a horse is probably the way even though i rode a horse one time and it was a negative experience for me <laughs> because I think the horse that I rode had been like, uh, like a couple hours before that had to entertain small children for a birthday party. And the <laughs> horse was like over it. <laughs> so by the time I got on it, it was like, I I'm, I'm finished for the day. So I did not have a pleasant experience riding a horse the one time I did it. So, uh, I probably would not be riding the horse on the beach but maybe if I do, I could just hang out with the horse on the beach, yeah. just relaxing. Sure. I think that sounds fun. I think relaxing on a beach with a horse sounds like a lovely way to spend uh, an <laughs> afternoon, a weekend. I'll do it. I'll do it. I love beaches. 
We've yeah. established I love horses. Right. Do I know what to do with a horse? No. <laughs> do I know what to do on a beach with a horse? No. No. But I feel like a horse could probably like entertain themselves, right? You probably <laughs> I feel like the the horse on a beach might be like an ideal situation because you mm. know when you go on the beach and you just want to read and you're like there with a friend and your friend just wants to talk and you're like, oh, <laughs> this isn't great. You know who's not doing that? A horse. Unless it's <laughs> unless it's Mr. Ed, I think you're good. Like you and the horse can just enjoy your time in the sun. And, and the quiet. <laughs> or if you, you know, if you wanted to uh, talk about the vengeance, you know, the, the idea yes. of the vengeance on your mortal enemy, Comet's just going to, you know, the horse Comet's is just going to listen. And, you know, gonna not going to tell you that, like, you're a terrible person for wanting vengeance. <laughs> and just, like, listening to your venting, you could vent on the beach about that. You could I have the, like best, the best horse, of both worlds. I feel like the horse would nod wisely at you and you're like, that person did me wrong. And the horse would be like, Oh my God. And we're just kind of <laughs> nod at you and stare at you like, yes, I understand. I see into your soul and I understand. <laughs> and I I'm on your side. And you'd be like, yes, horse, you are on my side. <laughs> that person's terrible. Vengeance be upon them. And the horse would be like, nay. <laughs> Throw that good boy a carrot and you're good to go. So I think really the next vacation that both of us should have <laughs> is uh, the beach with the horse. So uh, I'm going to have that like, on your bucket look up, list. Uh, look up horse beaches. And see <laughs> <what pulls> up. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us on a snap judgments. No judgments on your snap judgments. I don't know, Morgan, if you saw this comment from Mark uh, uh, saying the lab cats don't even expect uh, uh, or respect Morgan's authority. They uh, don't. So that <laughs> they, they, they don't at all. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> but maybe uh, maybe a super horse, they would uh, have more of a, a respect for uh, authority in that situation. Yeah, maybe finally they'd be like, oh, no, I should listen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a larger animal than me. Maybe I should pay attention <laughs> to this one. It's a pipe um, dream. <laughs> well, uh, we we have podcast plugs that we got to get into. But uh, before we get into those, we'd like to plug uh, the podcast hosting platform that Supergirl Radio has been actually using since yeah. 2015. And uh, we have some information we want to share about an opportunity that's being offered until June 30th. If you're looking to start a podcast, use Supergirl Radio's unique promo code, SUPER, to get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn. When you sign up for a new account, get your show on Apple and Spotify, get helpful audience building stats, and all the support you need to sound your best. And hey, they can even do video. Bring your podcast to life and have your voice heard with Libsyn. Click on the link in the live stream video description or our audio podcast show notes. We've actually had some listeners Ooh. of Supergirl Radio who've become podcasters. So this is not unheard of. So if you're a, a, a potential podcaster, uh, check out uh, the link in the video description or the audio show notes. Uh, so uh, you have an opportunity to uh, start with Libsyn and become the podcaster that you've always wanted to be. All right. Well, I guess now is a good time to get into the uh, Supergirl Radio and DCTV 
podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a Tee Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the Tee Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio, Superman and Lois Radio, The Flash Podcast, and the Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Black Lightning Podcast, Bad Woman Podcast 2, and Titans and Doom Patrol Podcast just for you. Justice League Dark Podcast, Green Lantern Podcast, Star Girl Podcast, Strange Adventures Podcast, and finally my favorite of the bunch, DC TV After Dark, where you're allowed to say and since we talked about comics this week, we have some super designs in the DC TV podcast T Public store. Yeah, we've got some uh, comic related items. So if you're into comics, we've got some designs, some T-shirts and some mugs and stickers and all kinds of things. Uh, I know it's not really sweatshirt or hoodie season anymore, but maybe <laughs> somewhere in the world it is. Maybe it's maybe it's a little cool uh, where you are. Are you uh, in Australia? <laughs> yeah, you can do a hoodie or a, a sweatshirt as well. Um, it's uh, incredibly hot where I am, so I think I'm going to stick to t-shirts uh, for the time being. <laughs> but uh, we have lots of designs and, um, and lots of uh, formats for them to come in uh, it, that they come in if you would like to check out our stuff in the DCTV podcast T public store and keep your eye out uh, every now and then there's a sale so keep your eye out on those and we'll we'll try to remember uh, to let you know when those are coming but uh, always check back at the store and uh, make sure uh, whether or not a sale is going on because you can get some things uh, for a little bit cheaper which is nice all right, and uh, we would also like to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Nicole, Lizeth, Faith, Brian, Ethan, and Danny, who has become a new uh, pa Patreon supporter. So welcome, Danny, uh, to the Legion of Super Sponsors. Uh, if you would like to become a Legion of Super Sponsor like Danny did recently, go to patreon.com slash supergirlradio where we have four monthly memberships uh, so that you can kind of pick what's uh, best for you and uh, what you like in those rewards. Um, and those just help us keep the podcast going. So we really appreciate everybody for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon and helping us uh, keep Supergirl Radio uh, 
going as as we continue on post the show <laughs> and into the comics and everything that we've got going on. Uh, we appreciate everybody's support. Uh, you can also find me on uh, several different locations. I'm on a platform called Vero uh, at Derby Kid over there. I've been sharing uh, what I've been watching and uh, reading. Uh, recently, I watched uh, something called The Battle for Indoor, which is on oh. Disney, Disney Plus. It's a uh, a Wookiee movie. What? A, a TV <laughs> a, a TV movie from the 1980s. The Battle for Endor, though, you got to check on Disney Plus, though, because it's one of two Ewok. Did I say Wookiee? I didn't mean to say Wookiee. You did. <laughs> I, I just realized I said Wookiee. They're Ewok movies, which makes it even better. Um, so there's two Ewok movies on Disney Plus, which I did not know existed. And so now I'm diving into the uh, the Ewok cinematic universe, or I guess the television universe of live action Ewok uh, stories. So the battle for Endor is actually the sequel. I think the other one has the word courage in it. So I've got to go back and watch the first Ewok movie and then uh, connect the dots with the, the second one, which stars Wilford Brimley, uh, which is hilarious. Um, also, Wicket is in that, and uh, Wicket is a little scary. I don't remember Wicket being so scary looking in uh, <laughs> Return of the Jedi. So it was quite the uh, watch. So if you're on Vero, uh, you would know that I've been watching uh, Ewok movies recently. So that's a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you can check me out on Instagram at the Derby Kid, where I post the occasional picture over there. And I'm also on uh, YouTube. I have a personal YouTube channel, youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. Where if you want to continue watching my Descent into Madness on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, I do live streams over there just like I do with Supergirl Radio. Uh, but I cover uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice reviews from the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, it's quite the journey. I think I have maybe 12 of them left to do. So I'm getting closer to the end of my project. Uh, but I still got a ways to go. So if you want to join me over there and talk about art criticism and how we talk about film, uh, that's uh, how you can keep up with me. And you can check me out on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, where we are now in our post-show reality oh. quite suddenly and quite <laughs> without the planning we thought we would be doing uh we have a couple of pride month episodes that will be going up in june so we have uh we recently just did a um an episode with special guest star sarah who was uh was sober in this one we allowed her to uh, give her liver a break to talk about the <laughs> hulu rom-com crush so you can find out if we like that or if we maybe didn't like it as much <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and we'll also be talking about cats upcoming by visibility um uh anthology comic which i have a story in oh um, look at you i know right, i write in comics first comic so nice. it was that was such a fun experience and we're actually going to be talking about it on Thursday, uh, I think we might be doing uh, maybe even a live video. Yeah. Um, uh, subscribe at youtube.com uh, slash DCTV podcast. So you'll, you'll never miss a, a live stream. And we're going to have uh, some of the uh, editors other than Kat uh, on the book. And and uh, also some of them are also writers on the book. So we'll have some uh, some fun stuff to talk about, about the comic 
making process. This was my personally, my first time ever writing a comic. Uh, so it was after having read them, having read many of them. Yes. Uh, so it was really interesting. And, uh, the, the process for me at least was very straightforward because my artist was honestly amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, I was joking that with Kat, because I kind of subbed into the book at the, at the last minute, so I was like the last story in, but apparently the first story done uh, mm. because my artist was so fast. But the, nice. the whole experience was really interesting for somebody who hasn't really done comic writing before. And then, you know, for Kat, who is an old hand at it, she's <laughs> she was just like, it's not always like this. I was like, Kat, you always complain about comic writing being so <laughs> hard. <laughs> Seems easy to me. And she's like, oh, my God, get away from me. Um, but yeah, no. So I'm excited. We're excited to talk about that. So that's kind of some of the stuff that we have coming up in June. And then July is more of a hazy question mark. And we're just going <laughs> to tackle that when, when it comes. Um, I'll have to I'll have to get the link to uh that anthology. Is it the Kickstarter? It is a is Kickstarter. It hasn't quite started yet. Oh, hasn't uh, quite. Okay, so yeah, I, I, I have no way a, to point people to your there story. Actually, there should be a um a what's it called? Like an upcoming project, uh, which I am gonna put in the comments here. Okay, and um, we'll we'll include that in the video description and the uh, audio show notes. Yeah, so and I'll shoot that over go to you. So if, that out. you know, if people want to um, to sign up for a notification when it goes live, you can follow the Kickstarter. There's already like over 200 people who are following it. So this way, as soon as it, it pops up, you can get notified that the Kickstarter is live. And usually the way that Kat does this, because she is a Kickstarter professional. <laughs> she does a lot of Kickstarters. Is that she has like for the first, you know, maybe a couple of days, there are some special feature, uh, special things that you can you know, be the first one to, uh, to support and you can kind of get these special goodies. So it, it does, you know, it does kind of behoove you to, uh, to follow the, uh, to follow the Kickstarter. So, you know, as soon as it pops up. All right. Well, we'll include those links. Uh, I love the word behoove. Me too. Me too. Anytime I can work it in naturally to a conversation or even unnaturally to a conversation, I'm going to do it. (laughs) It would behoove you if you want to read (laughs) uh, Morgan's comic to check out that Kickstarter. I don't know. This is kind of Supergirl Radio business, but would you want us to do an episode on Supergirl Radio about your your comic writing experience or or should we make that a page? Maybe. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know what we your can, thoughts are on that. Yeah, we. I think we can. We can think about it. It would probably be kind of a shorter episode, but yeah, I would. I would definitely want to talk about it either. Okay. On the podcast or on a Patreon. I think that's. It's it's good content. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know what it is like to be a comic book writer. I always have. I like, don't know ideas. <laughs> I oh, was like, I've got ideas. I can, I can, I can list out five potential Supergirl stories you could do, and then I'm like, <laughs> I've got I can't all this write stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I've written one eight-page story, so you really are coming to the expert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe if it if it's short, maybe that's more of a Patreon exclusive. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll consider it. We'll workshop um, it. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll we'll figure that out. But uh, that's very cool. Uh, so Supergirl Radio, one of us is a comic book writer and the other one just complains about them sometimes (laughs) and critiques them. 
Uh, so that's really cool. Well, I'm glad the uh, the comic book reading you've been doing here on on the podcast maybe it's been paying off. I feel like it helped helped maybe like inform my your process. training montage. Has been <laughs> <laughs> reading the comics for this thing, I'm like do 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 do, and I'm just like scrolling on my phone. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess that covers all of our personal plugs. So that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon, and we hope that you check out Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and support Supergirl Comics. McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because really? <laughs> she looks like a boss in this house. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yay!